We are the world. We are the children. We are the ones who make a brighter day. We are the Pool Scene Podcast. The Pool Scene Podcast! Finally, we are able and going to dedicate an entire episode to the We Are The World music video. About damn time. We Are The World is often discussed both on and off this podcast by myself, Kevin, and my co-host, Jim. Hello. For any listeners unaware, We Are The World was a 1985 charity single to raise money for African famine relief. In 1984, Jim's favorite producer, Bob Geldof. Oh, that son of a bitch. Put together a super group in the UK called Band-Aid to release the single, which I still don't understand. Do they know it's Christmas? It's like last week when we did Contact. Yeah. And it's like the first thing you want to do is ask an alien if they believe in God. And it's like, anyway. You ask an alien, do you know it's Christmas? Yeah. Do they believe believe in Christmas? (laughs) Band-Aid released, do they know it's Christmas? After Band-Aid, it was actually... Harry Belafonte, who came up with the idea to do an American version. Yes, the Deo guy, the king of of Calypso and uh, the Beetlejuice soundtrack guy. From there, it was Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie who were given the task to write the song. I'd say good place to start. I would agree. Actually, the first two people that were asked to participate were Lionel Richie and Kenny Rogers. Somewhere out there, tons of saying, I'm Kenny Rogers. (laughs) Because of a shared management group with Belafonte. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Next, Stevie Wonder was asked to join in order to add name value to the project. Then, Quincy Jones was asked to produce, who then telephoned Michael Jackson, who just happened to have released Thriller. Yeah, perfect timing there on MJ. Even though without kind of typecasting or saying who's who and who's the best, at this time, Bruce Springsteen was the number one guy to be on this by far. I mean, it was Bruce that was number one. 1985, I think this was recorded in January and released in like March, I believe. And uh, at the time, Bruce was like the biggest star. Jackson and Richie wrote the song at the Jackson family home in Encino, where Linkovich Chomofsky was found underneath a hand-dug <laughs> swimming pool. You'll have to go back to the first episode of season three of this show to get that reference. Encino Man. Latoya Jackson, who was a member of the chorus for We Are the World, claims Michael wrote 99% of the song and Lionel only contributed a couple of lines. However, I don't know about that. A couple of lines of this song would be a huge contribution because there's not a ton of lyrics. There is not. It's literally a revolving chorus. That's all it is. Quincy Jones brought in world class musicians to record a basic guide of this song with with Lionel and Michael. This version was mailed to all of the artists involved. The copies were individually numbered to prevent leaks. Then Quincy, an engineer, Humberto Gatica, did a mix of the song and sent tapes of it to the other artists who were invited to lend their voices to the project. And I want one of those hand-numbered cassettes. Considering it's the two of them doing it in every octave, every pitch, where they imagine every single one of the singers to hit it. Which I didn't know that. So prior to recording, Jim and I watched one and a half documentaries about We Are The World. The second one we had to turn off because it was too sad and it was like, what the fuck? But the first one was The first one was basically a behind the scenes just behind the scenes of them recording this and how many takes it took certain artists and how mad daryl hall was you guys have to watch it especially for one thing bob dylan trying to get music direction from stevie wonder oh stevie wonder singing like bob dylan oh my god 
And then the second one was kind of like what happened after this was recorded and we, showing us Harry Belafonte in Africa. Well, we'll have to touch on that later because it's like, what the hell were they thinking? Yeah. So, yeah, Quincy Jones brought in musicians to record Again, a basic guide. They mailed this out to everyone who was invited. If we can't get a McDonald's pizza box, we're not getting like one of the 100 copies no of hand-numbered cassettes. Or all the artists were so like starstruck oh, to meet time. two people, Bob Dylan and Ray Charles. Yep. And they all autographed each other's, whatever it's called, the, the music notes that they sang from. Yeah. Mass hysteria broke out because everybody wanted everybody else's autograph. And realized that there was a room of everybody being fans of everybody else. Everyone wanted a memento that we could all keep ourselves. And we had the sheet music and had all the other artists sign it. And I don't think there was one out there that didn't get everyone to sign it. I want one of those. Bring up the Stevie Wonder or Ray Charles autographs. Yeah, well, the Stevie Wonder is a fingerprint or a thumbprint. And Ray is a perfect yeah. signature. Yep. The recording had to happen in secrecy to avoid a mob of people showing up. Imagine finding out, hey... All the biggest stars in the world are going to be at this one place. So to avoid that, they kept this thing in the shadows. Many of the artists came directly after the American Music Awards happening across town. Prince, who famously no-showed, there's conflicting reports. Thanks to potentially Bob Geldof. Maybe Bob Geldof because Bob Geldof at one time had referred to Prince as a creep. Sheila E. put in her book that Prince never wanted to do the thing in the first place. She's like, he never wanted to sing on that song. He, uh, I, I know originally they were like, Prince, do you want to be on this? And he's like, I'll play guitar. And like, we don't need a guitar. But he did contribute the B-side to We Are The World is a song from Prince. Reports vary as a why. He was supposed to sing a duet part with Michael. As everyone came in the building, not Prince, but everyone else, inside the studio, a sign read, check your egos at the door. And it's in the documentary. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it was in the documentary. Real quick. Also inside, Stevie Wonder greeted artists to tell them if the track wasn't completed in one take, that he and Ray Charles were driving everyone home. (laughs) The joke being, they're both blind. No actual singing began until approximately 10.30 p.m. In the original, the original version, that is, there was this shalom shalinge part. I never knew this. That Michael put in. So basically it was like, We are the world, shala, we are children, shalinge. Well, as usual, Michael was a real pro and he worked so well with all the other artists. The chemistry was great, man. It was like a very Michael Jackson-ism. Stevie Wonder wanted to change that part to Swahili, which caused Waylon Jennings to just pack his shit and go. He left. all things. He left because he's racist, but he left and he was like, I'm not doing that. And apparently there was this big like brouhaha. And after a heated debate, they removed the section entirely and someone called Waylon. He came back. Still racist though. Recording was finished at 8 a.m. Just unbelievable that they pulled this thing off at all. By the end of 1985, We Are the World was the highest selling single of the year. By the end of the 80s, it was the highest selling song of the decade. 
It was the first ever multi-platinum single. As of today, the single has sold over 20 million copies and is still the eighth highest selling single of all time. More importantly, as of today, We Are the World has raised $63 million for humanitarian relief, which in 35 years, that's not that much. It's not. And especially if you watch the second documentary, they were literally airdropping grain Right in the middle of the fucking dirt. They weren't landing the plane. They, they weren't were landing the plane. They were pushing the pallets of grain off the back of the plane. And they literally said, we're just going to drop it and hope for the best. And you see these African people literally scooping grain out With of the dirt. dirt. It's just messed up. <sighs> so 90% of that money went to food assistance. And again, the, these bags of grain basically exploded. And it's just... Come- the second documentary is very exploitative. When it came to the children that are famished, the last thing you need is to see a kid who has flies all over him getting poked and prodded and photographed by Harry Belafonte. Well, the messed up thing is, thankfully these people don't speak English that we're aware of. Uh, Harry Belafonte straight up asking in front of these people, so when's this kid gonna die? Is basically what he's asking. This other guy is basically saying, we wasted a lot of money. He's like, because we had no idea the infrastructure of how to make this thing work. Absurd. They had a great idea to send money and send supplies to Africa, but yet... You dump him out of a fucking C-130. But then, like, Harry Belafonte and Ken Krager, who we're not really going to talk about much today, but Ken Krager is the president of USA, USA for, for Africa. Africa. Basically, they had to go to Africa and be like, what do you guys need? They needed refrigerators for medicine. They needed a garage for truck repair. Because this one truck driver was saying, if your truck broke down... You had to sit there for like two days for two days until another truck came. And then that truck had to take you back to town where you might have to wait three more days for another truck to come back and then be able to work on your truck. So and then hearing stories of mothers carrying their babies 700 kilometers. And when they arrive to get checked, the babies are already long gone. They yeah. died. Awful. Back to We Are the World. 45 musicians in all participated in We Are the World, supposedly with another 50 turned away. I would love to know the 50 that were turned away at the door. We know that Prince We know that Prince no-showed. Eddie Murphy was invited, but he <laughs> turned them down because he was too busy recording Party, Party all, all the Time, time. <laughs> which is true. And Eddie, I think, may have said something along the lines of, like, he didn't think it was going to be anything. Like, he didn't... Out of his goddamn mind. Yeah, he was on drugs, probably. He said, and then later he was like, oh, I should have been a part of that. You think? <laughs> yeah. And Madonna wanted to be there, but she was on tour and her label would not let her reschedule a tour date we'd love to know who the other artists were that were turned away it would I mean, be great you and i had a little bit of a conversation and i know you said whitney houston which this was recorded in january 85 her album her debut album didn't drop until late 85 barbara streisand yeah barbara streisand um i don't know if tom petty was like a thing yet i said johnny cash would have been yeah. interesting stars hearing aid basically all the metal and rock artists were excluded they did their own thing but yeah, this was american only speaking of people who were turned away here's an interesting tidbit i never knew the studio was for musicians only which makes sense with how many people were there is like a packed studio but lots of these people brought their significant others and posses they had a party at an adjoining soundstage where 500 people watching the recording session live oh man some of the notable names at the party were christy brinkley who was engaged to billy joel your best friend yeah brooke shields jane fonda kareem abdul jabbar and steve martin how is if steve martin was there why wasn't he in the chorus it would have been better it would have made 
somebody with Dan Aykroyd. He's an actual musician. Yeah. Like, why is Steve Martin not in the chorus? Regardless, I want footage of that party. Imagine, okay, we're next door. We're doing blow and drinking. Tons of and shit. And probably have a pool. And all these celebrities are there. And you're watching closed live circuit. closed circuit recording sessions of this historic event. Mind-blowing. Crazy. I just, I want to be at that party. Can you imagine yelling, hey! Fucking Steve Perry just screwed up again. <laughs> Drinks around. Because when uh, we watch the documentary, Steve Perry, I lost count how many times he fucked up. Wasn't as many as Dylan. But True. If we ever have a time machine, I think we should travel back to that party. And we're going to be disappointed to find out everybody was just sleeping. Pretty much. Waiting for their significant other to be done. <laughs> Although they all dipped out early when Bob Dylan took 78 takes. Oh my God. It was hilarious though. Now, now that all that has been said and the listeners are up to speed, let's talk about the video. Jim, please set the stage for us by listing the members of the chorus only. Ladies and gentlemen, the chorus of We Are the Weddled, Dan Aykroyd, Harry Belafonte, Lindsey Buckingham from Fleetwood Mac. Then you have the members of The News from Huey Lewis. You have Mario Cipollina, Johnny Cola, Bill Gibson, Chris Hayes, and Sean Hopper. Sheila E., Bob fucking Geldof, you know how I feel about this. And if you watch this documentary, he starts off before anybody records the most depressing facts about Ethiopia. And you walk into one of the corrugated iron huts and you see meningitis and malaria and typhoid buzzing around in the air. And you see dead bodies lying side by side with the live ones. And on a good day, you can only see 120 people die slowly in front of you. And some of the camps you see 15 bags of flour for 27,500 people. And it's that that we're here for. And I don't want to bring anybody down, but maybe it's the best way of making what you really feel, why you're really here tonight. Then he caps it off all by saying, I don't want to bring everybody down. <laughs> you fucking did, Bob, you asshole. Why don't you call Michael Hutchins on the phone, see what he's up to? Oh, wait a minute. Next. <laughs> You have all of the Jacksons. Michael's like, come on over. You have Jackie, LaToya, Marlon, Randy, Tito. Fuck you, Jermaine. No, Jermaine. You're not allowed. Everybody's favorite racist, Waylon Jennings with the cigarette. Bette Midler, John Oates, of course, looking fucking amazing. Jeffrey Osborne. You're like, who's Jeffrey Osborne? Is he related to Ozzy? No. He was a one-hit wonder. On the wings of love. The Pointer Sisters, you all know them. The Neutron Dance, Beverly Hills Cop. And of course... Smokey Robinson himself, who should have had a fucking solo in this song. Now, I planned on going through the video chronologically and telling you who sang what and when. Thankfully, Rolling Stone magazine did that for me, providing a minute to minute breakdown. If you want to find the article for yourself, you can just Google. It's like the second thing on Google. Yeah, we are the world and it'll come up. We'll hit the highlights, which are in my words, not theirs. So the video starts with a bad graphic by today's standards of a spinning globe with USA for Africa on it, which then flattens out into like a white screen where then the autographs appear of the participants. So basically that poster we discussed earlier. The graphic fades into Lionel Richie in the studio who sings, there comes a time when we heed a certain call. Then we see Lionel side by side with Stevie Wonder as they sing, and the world must come together as one. We can't stress enough what kind of an MVP Stevie Wonder is throughout this whole thing. Yes. He's the glue, folks. Then we get solo lines from Stevie, Paul Simon, and Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers is dripping swagoo in a (laughs) USA for Africa sweatshirt. 
He put it on as soon as he got there. He was yeah. the only and one to put it on. everybody else, I think, pretty much took theirs off. Maybe Diana Ross still had hers Not on. Kenny. James Ingram sings a line in a silver track suit. Akron's own James Ingram. Followed by Tina Turner, who sings, We are all part of God's great big family. Then that fucking Billy Joel has to join... <laughs> With his teeth looking like the Ripper's brother from Last Action Hero. Ladies and gentlemen, if you guys want to see another article, Vulture did an article. They put the top 37. They lay into Billy Joel in this article. Which I don't think Billy Joel does anything wrong in this. I don't think he... Billy Joel is more background. I don't think he stands out as being spectacular. He's there. But he's just... Yeah. Next, we get Michael Jackson pre-recorded. Not in studio with the other artists. Notice his vocals are also multi-stacked because they were recorded prior. They, they're doing the Frankie Valley, you know, four, eight levels of vocals yeah. stacked, like booming through your speakers. Everybody else was like, you got to stand next to eight people and hit your part by stepping four feet forward. And instead, like Michael just gets to sit in the comfort of a studio and do as many takes as he wants. We go back to the studio where Diana Ross is standing nine feet away from a microphone to sing... <laughs> There's a choice we're making. We're saving our own lives. When Diana Ross gets to the studio that day, she jumped on Bob Dylan's lap. And I want to know more about that. Did they know each other? Like, why? What? Bob Dylan wouldn't have been able to identify fucking anybody there. No. He was out of his mind. I. Why did she do that? I want a documentary about that. Who are you? <laughs> Next up, we have Ooh. Dionne Warwick and Willie Nelson, who rules, but has a, a weird look in this. He has like a short, short hair. He looks like a 70 child star. Yeah, he has like short hair and like wispy, a, like a sporty leather motorcycle High on weed. jacket. But Nelson sings the oddest line in the song, as God has shown us by turning stone to bread. That doesn't quite happen in the Bible. No. There's an anecdote where Jesus gets pissed at the devil because basically it's mean to starving people to dream of rocks getting turned into bread. I don't know. I don't read the thing. I've done the opposite where bread turns into stone by leaving it out long. (laughs) Yes. Al Jarreau sounds good for the literal 10 syllables he gets to sing before Bruce Springsteen shit grunts through the chorus. (laughs) Never once opening his eyes. Now, Al Jarreau, you're like, who the fuck is that? Yeah, Al Jarreau's a jazz singer. Yeah. And uh, again, probably a weird choice for this. He sounds good. He sounds great. Weird choice. Bruce, who never opened his eyes, was the biggest star in the world at this time. So he gets as many lines as Michael, if not more. Pouring sweat, mind you. Despite being the biggest star in the world, for the recording session, he parked his truck at a grocery store and he walked there. And then he had to walk back at three in the morning. No, he, well, yeah, I don't know what time he left. Had it been late, though. They didn't get done till like 8 a.m. And if you remember, he is one of the artists who I think stuck around. Deuce Man. I don't know. Camera pans to soundtrack king Kenny Loggins pre-Top Gun. He gets a line before Steve Perry comes forward and blows the roof off with one of those signature vocals. He was taking a hiatus from Journey at the time. Steve Perry followed by Daryl Hall, who was taking a hiatus from Hall and Oates at the time. I don't know if they were just like, eh, you guys, synergy. You're both taking a break from your band. He can't go for that. And when we watched the documentary, both of those guys (laughs) were messing it up. So it's a great sequence. Steve wasn't helping, though. Because it's, yeah. Steve, the, the problem with Steve is that he changed every time the inflection every single time Just how he sang it, it switched every time. I would love to have seen a camera shot of Quincy, just a single shot in like the corner. 
Because I have a feeling every time Steve opened his mouth, Quincy just put his hands over his mouth, muting the mic going, Jesus Christ! See, to me, none of them sounded bad. No! They just, he didn't do it the same way twice. No consistency. But my problem was with Daryl Hall, who every time... You know you're coming up, but he would like run up to the microphone and he would rush his first few words. It's true, we make a better day, just you and me. It's true, we make a better day, just you and me. And Daryl Hall to me was like the one who kept screwing it up. He's very nervous. Which will come up here again in a minute. And you could see his hands shaking, which how could they not? You're oh like, God. hey, Ray Charles, well, he's not watching me, but Ray Charles. <laughs> Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, who's also not watching, um, Diane Ross, Bob Dylan, whoever we're going to hell are all watching. You know what I mean? It would yeah. be, it would be for some people. It's very it's, intimidating. Yeah, for sure. So after Daryl Hall, we have the pre-recorded chorus from Michael. This time we get a solo leading into the bridge. So uh. you got Michael's pre-recorded chorus, uh. Michael's solo, which is perfect every time, which then leads to him standing against the wall Chilling. and just looking Chilling. mad. Everyone else for the most part shares a microphone, but Michael gets his own. The original plan was to record each solo individually, but there wasn't time. Cause could you imagine how hard it was to put 45 people individually in a room? All with egos. Yeah. And then not pick up any coughs or farts. <laughs> there had because, to have been a lot of ass. Well, we saw that in the, the first documentary we watched where somebody laughed. That's someone somewhere that We all a part of. And it kept rolling with and it. And then there was another one where Cindy Lauper, her earrings and her necklaces and stuff were making sounds. There's somebody talking. Yeah. I can hear them. Cindy, we had a lot of uh, bracelets. Oh, is that? Oh, my earrings. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. There really is no, talking in the there. The mic is I dying. We need to replace that mic. No, no, there's talking. No, it's the caption is distorting. After Michael, it's Huey Lewis who belts. From my my research, I know that Huey's solo was supposed to be for Prince. So this line specifically was for Prince. Because it was supposed to be Michael and Prince doing a thing together. So Huey and his band were there for the chorus, but Huey was given the solo when Prince no-showed. This might have been right before Back to the Future. So this was right before Power Love. Yeah. Right before. So this, they were, they were big, but uh, Huey had to audition. So basically when Prince no-showed, I know Quincy like pulled him in and was like, hey, sing this part. And Huey sang it and he was like, yeah, that'll do. And they kind of show it on yeah. the documentary. It's on YouTube, everybody. It's like an hour and two minutes long. Don't watch the one that's 52 minutes. You will start fucking crying. Yeah. Following Huey is Cindy Lauper. And I think this is arguably <laughs> it's amazing. the best one too in the whole song. Well, well. During recording, Steve Perry raised his hand just to tell Quincy Jones in the booth. It's like these people have been sitting there. It's three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. Steve Perry raises his hand like he's in math class. And Quincy's like, basically, what's up, Steve? And he's like, like 
She's amazing. It's con- she's very conversational. Yeah, right. And he says it's amazing. Cindy like, Lauper is, is awesome. Though. Yeah. And then. Yeah. So then Kim Carnes jumps in with. When we stand together as one. You want, you want to join her? The three of you join her? Uh, stand together as, as one. That'd be real together. Together. Yeah. Yeah. Stand together as one. Stand together as one. Is that what you're singing? That's what you're singing? Together as one. When we go up. Stand together as one. Together as one. When we. Before Huey and Lopper join her for Stand Together as One. So technically, Karn's solo is two syllables. In fairness, she only ever had Betty Davis Eyes, which was released four years before We Are the World, while Smokey Robinson and Bette Midler were both put in the chorus. It's amazing. They wasted Bette Midler's flock of seagulls, new wave haircut, <laughs> and pencil thin eyebrows to give Kim Carnes a one hit wonder from four years prior. Now, I will say, though, watching that documentary, when she hits it pitch perfect with Huey, sounds amazing. Oh, it's great. But in the final cut, they remove her from that, except for when we. Yeah, when we. After Kim Carnes and uh, Cindy, Cindy and Huey Lewis, we get the trio, stand together as one. We finally hear from the entire chorus. So the chorus actually took longer to record than the solos. And they did like a different version of that too. So coming out of the chorus, Bob Dylan singing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's a choice we're making. We're, we're singing our We're saving lives. our lives. The original lyric was, there's a chance we're taking. We're taking our own lives. Fuck. I'll let Gavin Edward from Rolling Stone say it much funnier than I could. Richie and Jackson changed it when they recorded the demo so that the group wouldn't seem to be unduly congratulating themselves for advocating mass suicide. How many of them wanted to do mass suicide after Bob Dylan's 400th take after he turns around to look at Stevie Wonder to get his approval for it? Now, I will... We got to talk about this part for a minute. Oh, so, God. We are the two. We are the ones to make a bright day. So let's start here. There's a choice we're making. We're saving our own lives. It's true we make a better day for you and me. Is that sort of it? Yes. Sort of like that? Yeah. Bob Dylan again, a lot of these people that arrive of everyone to be starstruck by, they're starstruck by Bob Dylan. Arguably, probably not even arguably. I know, Jim, you're not a big Dylan fan. But as a performer, not a songwriter. Right. He's the greatest songwriter of all time. I will give you that. But I I agree with you. I like Bob Dylan a lot. I think he has like some amazing, but like this was more of a pop R&B performance and they wanted to cover all bases except for metal obviously but they wanted to cover all like r&b pop rock white people black people everybody they wanted to cover all their bases bob dylan's a big get for this yeah but it's just his singing performance in this is insane i'd rather have had the mamas and the papas instead of this yeah it's absolutely crazy listen to bob dylan in that documentary try to hit a high note yeah holy shit he so first off he doesn't know the lyrics at all (laughs) not at all So let's not give in. You said, there's a choice we're making. You know, 
we're saving our lives. It's true, you know, we make a better day when you have singing half the Because you are after your thing in even though he's they're right looking in front at the paper the... and he doesn't know him when he he's in the chorus he doesn't know them uh, and quincy jones is teaching him to him so the first time that bob dylan steps at the mic mind you lyrics in hand he has the lyrics in front yep. of him you know he hears the playback in his headphones we are the world and you know he knows his part's coming up all right bob get ready and he goes eh, and he grunts and yeah. He d- and then he, he goes, actually, can I hear it one more time? He walks over. Stevie Wonder, again, MVP of this thing. Oh, my God, glue. he is. He sings. Stevie Wonder does a Bob Dylan impression and sings Bob Dylan's part to him and says, do this. Bob Dylan walks back over. No fucking idea. No clue. He does it 60 times. He is so high on meth and coke. <laughs> and every time. And he has this deadpan stare the every, entire time. Every time that he sings, he like sings one word and then he turns around and looks at Stevie Wonder for approval who cannot see him. It also appears that Bob Dylan is also dressed for fucking winter time. It's crazy. And then when he finally gets it, he keeps, after every take, he's like, I thought it sucked. It's true, we make a better day, just you and me. That wasn't any good. And then Quincy Jones is like, all right, we got it, which we never actually do see in the documentary the take that they used. So it tells you there's even more takes. Quincy Jones had to have been the most patient person oh yeah of all time in his head during these dylan takes he had to have been fucking screaming oh yeah it's three lines bob fucking cut it well, go it's funny because after bob does it quincy goes that was perfect that was great and you know they cheer or whatever and he gives bob a hug and dylan's like so out of it out of it but he's like really i thought it was terrible he's like but he was so happy that he finally got it even it, though if you want to see another funny bob dylan moment we can't stress this documentary enough in the middle of all of this, it's getting late. They all break out of Deo. Yeah. They all start singing Deo. Oh, yeah. Al Jarreau leads it, and Harry Belafonte singing along. They're all singing along. I need deadly black tarantula. <laughs> Then there's just this one shot of Bob Dylan <laughs> out of his fucking gourd, has no idea where he is, just a dead stare, nothing, singing yeah. nothing. He's just standing there, not moving. Yeah. <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> so after Dylan, we get a, another shot of the chorus and see the man himself, Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> wearing huge glasses and I think a shirt and a tie. and <laughs> Disheveled. So the funny thing about Dan Aykroyd, because... Dan Aykroyd honestly sold a lot more records than some of these people yeah. with the Blues Brothers because yeah. he had a number one hit. He had a sold millions of records. Ghostbusters just came out. Yeah. So Dan Aykroyd would not have been here except so Dan Aykroyd always represented himself as far as a manager always, but he needed a financial manager. So him and I believe it was his dad were out and about just walking into some offices trying to find a financial manager. So he walks into the office of, it might have been Ken Craig, and it was one of these guys who was like, no, I'm a, I'm a talent manager, not a financial manager, but you want to do this thing? And Dan Aykroyd was like, sure, I'll do this thing. So he did We Are the World. After Dan Aykroyd, you never hear Dan Aykroyd no. individually. No. I don't even know if he Can you imagine if Dan Aykroyd got a solo? He probably, <laughs> oh he probably just mouthed it. We hear a couple of lines from Ray Charles's solo before we see him at the piano. 
and thankfully don't see him dance. We did. (laughs) Wow. The next part wasn't planned, but is often regarded as the single best part, not to me, but it is the unlikely duet of shit grunt Bruce Springsteen and Steve Wonder, real name Stevlin Judkins. That name is amazing. So Stevie and Bruce's lines, they recorded those after, and so in the video, it's like a split screen, like a fade effect type thing. After that, we get more shots of the chorus, such again as Bette Midler's Flock of Seagulls New Wave haircut. We see all the Jackson brothers except Jermaine and all the members of Huey Lewis's News. As we are in the final stretch, James Ingram gets a couple solo lines before more Ray Charles to close out the song over the chorus. So it's kind of like call and answer with Ray and, and James Ingram. James Ingram, I'm pretty sure, does like a like a celebratory fist up. He does. Thing. And don't forget about Lionel's thumbs up. Yeah, Lionel's thumbs up. And then ironically we are the world was knocked from the number one slot by madonna the biggest star probably not present just a little bit of irony so jim with all that said we are the world who are your top few solos who's your worst or couple worst my number one stevie wonder huey lewis and then probably cindy lauper would be my top three my why the fuck are you there it's a waste Paul Simon is just there. I don't know why he didn't really contribute much to anything. The crux of all the Jacksons are pretty much a waste. And then, of course, I hate to say it, Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> why is Dan? I just no. But those would be my my six. So my number one and not really tarnished by how many takes it took. And and same with like Huey and, and Cindy Lauper. So something I really like about Cindy Lauper is it's like she's the only one that had the balls oh, man. to ask Quincy, hey, can we improvise? And he's like, yes, of course. Like, make it your own. Well, well, well. Yeah, so she goes for it. I love it because everybody else is pretty stiff. And that's why Billy Joel's down there. Paul Simon, for sure. Because they just blend into the Paul background. Because Paul Simon kind of just, he's like a little mouse that comes in and he just kind of squeaks his line. And, and you know what, though? Out. When you see him standing next to people, I never realized how short Paul Simon is. Mm-hmm. At that point, why don't you have Art Garfunkel in there, too? Just do Simon and <laughs> Yeah, Garfunkel. just do Simon. Exactly. So those aren't great. You know, Billy Joel, he just sings his line. Even, like, I love Kenny Loggins, this pre top gun he but just, it's still footloose it's still good yeah, yeah. he just sings his Caddy part and he moves out so to me steve perry yeah the fact that he changed it every time is frustrating it's frustrating but like it the final product is great huey's great cindy lopper's great and huey cindy lopper happens back to back and it's the same with kenny loggins is it kenny loggins steve perry and daryl hall yes so that's pretty crazy but you know what though like i said if they would have kept in Kim Carnes with Huey, that would have been fine too. Yeah. I would have had no problem with Kim Carnes there. But it's the fact that she literally ended up with two words seemed, why was she even involved? Yeah, it's... When you could have had like Barbara or like you said, Joan Baez or somebody else. Well, yeah, so Ken Crager, the president, he his biggest regret from this thing is that he really wanted John Denver or Joan Baez. And it's weird. Like, 
to me, Bob Dylan covered all the folk bases. I love folk. You didn't need anyone but Dylan. You didn't need John Denver. But you know what's amazing, though? You had all these issues, and you know about Waylon Jennings. You know what you're getting into. Yeah. Like I said, why not have Johnny Cash? Yeah. Rather have had Johnny Cash. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Kenny Rogers doesn't do too bad. No. Diana Ross sounds good. So I'd say that's probably my top. So We Are the World did a 25th anniversary like reunion they did not a reunion but they did a new one for relief in haiti and it's seriously strange it's odd so with the exception of maybe like kim carnes even like maybe james ingram like for the most part everybody from the original usa for africa you look back on you're like wow that's like murderer's row yeah springsteen stevie wonder michael jackson lionel richie you know you name they were there and then with the like everything now is like recency bias so some of the people in the 25th one like the haiti one they were like one hit wonders and they got bieber in that yeah bieber sings the first line in it yeah he's like 10 however old bieber was when like he broke he just started. They've got like a ton of people in it. Lil Wayne, Kanye, Wyclef. Wyclef does like a ton because Haiti, you know, it's just not good. It's Well, like, there was talk about doing another one because of COVID. Yeah. I don't want to do another one because of COVID. Now, the problem with doing one now is who? If you get The weekend and Bruno Mars, great. Mm-hmm. Katy Perry, Justin Timberlake, stuff like that. Great. But you know that if they did one now, you're Chad getting Kroger. like... You know, you're getting <laughs> bad bunny maybe. But if you did one now, they're probably going after like the YouTube TikTok. TikTok. You know, you're probably getting some Me and you don't yeah, give a shit we have about no idea who that person no is idea. and the odds of that person sustaining any fame beyond the next two years. None. Is none. And I, I'm just afraid that that's if they did another one, you have to get stars. You have to get people with staying power, people who have yeah. been there. Nobody that's a flash in a pan. And that's that's where the last one suffered. I mean, that's pretty much our definitive We Are the World discussion. Did you want to talk about anything else? Well, the one thing, it, it just dawned on me. Another one who maybe in 85, Cher? You think Cher could have been a, a contender? Probably. I don't see why not. I mean, you'd have to look at the timeline of really who was big in 85. I mean, because a lot of these people that did We Are the World were like in between albums and weren't coming off anything great. Yeah. But I mean, we think of them as like legends now, but some of that stuff could have got the guy who did the Axel F theme. Harold Faltermite? Is he yeah. just going to play a synthesizer? Yeah, sure. Uh, Jan Hammer? I'm trying to think of what else shock con dire straits i don't were they american yeah reo speedwagon oh yeah you could have had kevin cronin mm-hmm. definitely um, billy squire glenn fry yeah why not the eagles yeah eagles could have been in it i don't know why they weren't yeah billy ocean oh my god would have been a mistake in retrospect <laughs> it would have been oh my god <laughs> peter satara Oh my God, yes. Peter Cetera, a Hall yes. of Fame member of the Pool Scene Podcast. Oh my God, he is. Why? Oh my, oh my God. I got like, oh, I want to hear Cetera sing. Imagine him in the bridge with Huey and Cindy. Oh man. Oh I just want to hear him. God. Just. Is it wrong to say I just got an erection from that? That's crazy. I that's mean, fucking on amazing. Yeah, that's that to me. We just, we nailed it. That is, that the, is the home run. That's the guy. Now, Brian Adams, Canadian. Ugh, I mean, so stretching. it's not USA for Africa. It's US North. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I mean, it's gotta be John Cougar. John Cougar Mellencamp. Okay, there's another one. He went, but maybe they got Bruce and uh, filled the quota. Roth. Fuck. Oh my god. <laughs> no. Get it a wee bop that up. Yeah, and uh, Dave, do you mind not scatting every damn time? And another one, Aretha Franklin. Oh hell yeah! So Aretha Franklin. Which maybe they were intimidated because you get like somebody like Aretha Franklin, she might kind of overshadow the whole thing with, you know, just the, the vocal quality. Yeah. Peter Cetera, Aretha Franklin. Yeah, man. There's so much shit, man. But I think Peter Cetera. Yeah. Oh my God. Especially 85. Oh man. Chicago. Holy shit. I Hard can, to say I'm sorry. And I then can, here comes Peter Cetera. I can hear it in my mind. Oh my God. Just. I wish that would have happened. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. This uh, is fun. Doing research, watching the video. A great swim meet series. Yeah, we really enjoyed this one. Watch, if you enjoy this podcast, if you know we are the world already and you enjoy this podcast, watch the documentary. Oh, we learned more watching it. Oh, it's so fun. Just don't watch the other one. Don't watch the other one. Super sad. All right, everyone. Until next week, Salencia. There comes a time when we hear Must come together as one There are people dying Oh, when it's time to lend a hand to life The greatest gift of all We can't go on Pretending day by day That someone, somewhere will soon make a change all a part of God's great big family and the truth you know love is all we Must lend a helping hand. We are.